Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. The views and opinion expressed from host and caregivers are solely given based on the experiences of the individuals involved. Because each person is so unique, always consult your physician, physical or occupational therapist for medical and fitness advice. Are you struggling to help your aging parents or disabled spouse to do everyday personal care tasks? Are you concerned about them falling or you injuring yourself? What is the task that is so difficult for you to help them to do? You are not alone. We can help. Finding a Foothold is a weekly podcast show that invites you to call in and tell us your challenge. Here, you can receive practical tips and strategies from an occupational therapist and from other caregivers like yourself. And here is your host, Consuela Marshall. Hello, I'm Consuelo Marshall, occupational therapist. Welcome to Finding a Foothold, a community of caregivers who've had caregiving challenges and have learned many lessons along the way. We know how you do things and having the right equipment and support can make caring for your loved ones easier and safer. Stay tuned. You hear from caregivers that call in, and share challenges they face today, and you hear tips from experienced caregivers as we work together to bring hope and improve how you give care. Let's get started. Hello, this is Consuela, host of Finding a Foothold, and this is the podcast where caregivers get to call in and tell us those struggles that they are having when they are caring for their loved ones. And I often say caregiving doesn't come with an instruction manual. We have to get in there and figure it out. We get in there and we make it happen, but there are oftentimes things that creep into the day that just wear you down and you're thinking I wish I had a better way to do that 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 is what I want to help you figure out and that's where you get to call into this podcast and tell us the that in your life because I know you all want to do a good job but you don't want to injure yourself and you definitely don't want to injure your loved one you will be able to come away with a method that you can use that will leave you at the end of the day feeling less worn out less fatigued and just really knowing that you've done a great job as you always do but also you're actually feeling better because you're learning an easier smarter way to do things so look let's jump into the calls and let's see what caregivers had to say this week. So let's get started and listen to caller number one. And our first call is from Trisha. Trisha's calling in from Texas. Hey, Trisha. Glad to have you here on the podcast today. And this is Trisha's question. My husband just started dialysis. There are some days when he's helping me more and we can easily get the day started. But there are other days when he is just saying he's so weak and he cannot help. And that means I have to help him more. Is there something that I need to do to make sure that he can help me? Because I do have a back injury and it's hard for me to pull on him and to carry his full weight. Anything you can share to help with this problem, I will appreciate it. Hello, Trisha. Thank you for calling in. And I do appreciate the call. And I do understand your concern because you definitely want to protect yourself while you are also looking at what is the best way to help your husband. So let's just start by talking a little bit about dialysis 
and the effects that it has on a person. And I'll start by saying dialysis is very stressful on the body. Many people have different reactions to dialysis, but a common side effect of dialysis is the fatigue, is the tiredness, is the weakness, and oftentimes it's nausea that goes along with it. And these are very real things. So let's talk about how you can structure your day to account for these things that your husband may be experiencing before or even after a dialysis treatment. So I want to start first of all by saying, Trisha, is that you always want to plan for the worst day. What is his worst day? Then you make plans for that day so that you always be ready. But hopefully and prayerfully, you won't be utilizing those worst day strategies, but you'll always have the worst day plan ready to put in play. So let's just talk about worst day scenario. How do you determine that? And first of all, you do that by talking to your husband and making observations. When is your husband at his worst? Is it before a dialysis treatment is due? Or is it after he's returned from dialysis, that immediate time after the first several hours or the end of that whole day? Is that his worst? Or is it the following day? They're having dialysis Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is the traditional days. And so you want to decide what are those days and what are the times of the day he's at his worst. And if he's at his worst, can you transfer him in and out of bed? Can he get out of bed? Can he help with feeding? Can he help with those things? And you plan for what to do on the worst time of the day. And if it is he cannot get out of bed that day because it is too hard on you to do it, then you can't get them out of bed, not by your own power, at least. And there are options for getting people out of bed when you don't have the manual ability to get them out of bed with your own strength. And those are where you get the Hoya lifts that come into play. And this is a more tricky option, but people do use sliding boards. And these are things that therapists can come in and teach you to use. So if you don't have therapy in the home and you're exploring those options about things that can be done, those are areas. So having that Hoya lift, even though you're not using it every day, but on those days he wants to get up, you have the lift available. Okay, so moving away from the worst day, let's talk about his best day. And then then you have to figure out those things that you do in between. On the best day for him, and you all decide when those happen, if he can, if he's an easy stand, a turn and put into a wheelchair, or he's walking with the walker, those are the days that you, you can celebrate that you can easily do those. And he's up and about, and he's able to do basic things for himself. And so you want to make sure on those days that he can get up, that he gets up because you want to utilize those days when he's feeling good to make movements, which help him to maintain his strength. Because on days when he is just worn out, weak, nauseated, and he cannot move, then you want to limit those movements. Maybe he's able to go into the bathroom on days he's feeling really good, but on the days he's not feeling good, don't put yourself through this unneeded stress. 
of trying to insist that he go into the bathroom. Well, in those days, you have to have the plan B plan. He's weak today, so I'm bringing everything to him. He can get up and sit in the wheelchair or sit in the recliner, but he can't really do a lot of walking today because it's not safe. He may fall. You've got to look at every day as an opportunity to make the best plan for you both. And the best plan for him is that he moves as much as he can on any given day. If if that means on a bad day he does no movement, then unfortunately he doesn't do much movement. He stays in bed or he gets out very minimally. And the best plan for you is you don't do anything that your body is not allowing you to do without risking injury. Don't wear yourself out. It is not mandatory that you stick to the same routine every day. And that's the mistake that most caregivers make. They want to do it the same way every day. Just because husband helped one day does not mean he can help the next day. And don't think he's doing this intentionally, but just thinking that, you know, he's just having a bad day. So if he's having a bad day, then my body cannot make up for the bad day by carrying the full weight of his body. My body can't do it. So this is our plan B day, or this is our plan C day. And you've got to know when to go back and forth between the plans. And the plans may differ throughout the course of one day. And you've got to be ready to make those adjustments, being able to know when an adjustment needs to be made and just do so accordingly. So that's what I want to offer to you today is just that strategy for organizing your day to accommodate what his strength levels are for that day and only do what you are able to do. Don't do anything to injure yourself today that may put you out of commission for many days. And then you're both up the creek. So thanks for the call, Tricia. I really appreciate you calling in. And I know it's stressful with a life that has to be lived around dialysis treatments. But the plus side of it is I am so grateful that dialysis is available and that it does sustain the lives of many, many people. So thanks for the call, Tricia. And now we'll be going to our second call. Our second call is from Debbie. Debbie called in. She says, my mom had a stroke. It didn't affect her a whole lot, but she does have a lot of balance problems. She can use both of her hands and she can move both of her feet. But when she's standing, she cannot keep her balance. The therapist come out twice a week to work with her, but I feel like it is not enough therapy. But they say the insurance company doesn't approve more visits. I find that my mom is sitting a whole lot. She sits in a recliner and we try to get her to walk with us, but she's afraid. And so I'm afraid that my mom is getting weak in between the therapy sessions. And I'm afraid that she just may not get all of her strength back. What are some things that we can do to help my mom get stronger? Because we want to see her return back to her old self again. Hello, Debbie. Thank you for calling and I'm so excited to hear your call because as a therapist, 
I get so excited when we have a family that really wants to work with the patient to see them get better. It really does good. It makes me feel good that you really want to see your mom improve and you're willing to do the part, to do the hard work that it's going to take for your mom to get better. And the reality is that it does take work. It does require more than what happens in a therapy session for someone to get better. We strengthen and we teach families what to do and patients what to do in between the visits to help them to get better. Therapy laws have changed. The reimbursement has changed. And we often are very limited to maybe a couple of visits in the home a week. A good therapist will teach the family what to do that is safe to do that can still result in improvement. So what I want you to do, first of all, is stay in the room where the therapy is going on. You ask questions. And if you're thinking that you're not getting the intensity of the therapy that they need in the home, then the option is outpatient therapy. And that's often the case for people with those more challenging deficits. And because often case you need more than one set of hands on that patient so that the therapist can minimize the risk for injury to themselves or to the patient by them falling. So outpatient is always more intense therapy, but that would depend on whether or not you can safely get a person in and out of a car and you can endure that whole process of leaving the house with them several days a week to have the therapy. And if you don't have a therapist that is willing to say, I think your mom needs to be out going to outpatient, then you need to make that call and explore those options, look at insurance, look at deductibles or co-pays for outpatient. But I'm going to tell you, whatever you have to pay will far exceed the drawback. And that would be if you just stay in the home and you're not getting the aggressive therapy that you need. And if the option is that you just need a more aggressive therapist, then that's an option too. But just making it known to the therapist, and that's the main thing, make it known to the therapist that you want to be more involved and that you want to have more of an active role in making sure that your mom is comfortable with you being that person that's helping them on the days that the therapist is not there. So getting your hands on your mom and your mom feeling comfortable because you're doing it and the therapist is right there and the therapist is cueing you and you're doing it and y'all are making progress, your mom can begin to relax. I, I, I can understand why she's fearful. She's saying, you don't, you're not a therapist. You don't know how to do this. And she's thinking we're both going to land on the floor. And those are legitimate concerns. I mean, we don't want a broken hip on top of a stroke. Because that, that's just a double whammy for your mom and such a huge setback in her recovery. So saying all of that to say, Debbie, I so appreciate your call and I appreciate you just being proactive and wanting to see that your mom recovers from the stroke. You know, as therapists, we don't, we can't say for sure what the outcome is going to be. You know, we just do our best. We use the strategies that have been taught and we know what works and we work that and we pray and we just hope and we keep at it. And the goal is just keep working at it. But if your mom is not improving and you can see that it's just a matter of time that therapist is going to come in and say, oh, this is my last week. You know, don't wait that long. Because you know what, each day that ticks off the clock, off the calendar, each week that passed by, you know, that little window of opportunity is closing. You start today by being just more assertive and having the therapist in the home show you the things that must be done. 
So look, thank you for the call again. And look, good luck. Thank you for taking care of mom and wanting to make sure and see that she can recover. So take care and have a good day. Bye-bye. And we have a third call, and it's from David. David's calling from Louisiana. Hey, David. David has a question. My mom cares for my dad. They do pretty good together, but the major problem for my dad is he cannot walk long distances because he gets out of breath. So when he gets to go to doctor's appointments, my mom must put a wheelchair in the car. I'm finding that she's having more and more difficulty lifting the wheelchair and putting it in the car. And they are afraid to go to doctor's offices because at times there are no wheelchairs available for my dad to use. I don't live in the same state with them, so I'm wondering what should I do? Should I insist that they use a medical transportation, take a cab, or do you have any suggestions about what I can do to keep my mom from injuring herself? Hey, David, thank you for calling. And I am glad that you've picked up on that problem that your mom is having. And let's talk about some things that can be done. Now, you've made a couple of very viable options there, medical transportation. And you can do that first by checking with their insurance company to see if it is a covered service by the insurance company, because some do cover the cost of transportation. But the drawback to that is it's often a waiting game where you get there early and you finish your appointment and then you're having to wait on them to pick you back up. So that's the drawback of that. And then there's always Uber, there's always cabs. So all of those things are are definitely viable options for your mom and your dad. They do also have those wheelchair transport devices that can be attached to the back of the car where it's a device that the wheelchair can attach to and there is some type of a lift component that lifts the wheelchair onto the device and your mom can just use that to get the wheelchair attached to the car and they can use that to go to the doctor's offices. But I will also suggest that you first try a transport wheelchair. Now, when we're talking about the weight of a standard wheelchair, they can be about 40 pounds, and that's quite heavy for your mom to be lifting and putting in and out of a car. What I would challenge you to do is that you first try a transport wheelchair, and that's a wheelchair that is much smaller, and it doesn't have the weight of a standard wheelchair. And most of those transport wheelchairs you can get with a weight of about maybe 18 or 19 pounds. And they are lighter wheelchairs because they do not have those big outer wheels attached to them. And really easy for someone to lift and put into a car. So I want to present that to you as an option. And you can have your mom to go into a store or a pharmacy and looking at them and getting a feel for the weight of them. And it might be an option that she could handle that's a lot easier than the weight of a full-size standard wheelchair. So look, I want to throw that out as an option. I hope that helps. But yes, please protect mom. You don't want her to injure herself. And then, you know, she may not be able to assist with dad anymore if that happens. So thanks for the call and I'm glad that you're looking out for them and that they are making it work together, that they have each other to lean on. And thank you again for looking after your parents, David, and continue the good work. Thank you. And our final call is from Ann. 
Anne has a question about a sister who comes to town. Anne says, I care for my mom every day. My mom, my sister comes in town every three to four months and she stays for a week. While she is here, she does things totally opposite of what I do and she tends to do too much for my mom. I'm very concerned about this and I am considering talking to her about it. What do you think? Okay, Anne, thank you for the call. Well, I am so glad that you have help, that your sister is willing to come in every three to four months and give you a break. And what I would do is just let your sister do what she wants to do if it doesn't cause a major regression in your mom. Meaning after your sister leaves, if your mom just can't get back to your routine really easily and it takes you weeks to get her back to doing things the way you all are used to doing them. If that doesn't happen, I would just let her do what she does. If after your sister leaves, then your mom has a very hard time getting back onto your schedule and the way you doing things, then yeah, you need to have a talk with your sister and tell her your concerns and how that impacts how you continue to do care for three months until she comes back again and that you all maybe need to sit down and and talk about it. It just depends on how much of a problem it is. If it's only a setback for a couple of days until you like show mom what the rules are and then mama's back on track, I would just say let it go. As long as your sister is being safe and your mom is not being injured, just allow your sister to come in and do things the way that she's comfortable doing them and let her just you know maybe it's her way of showing affection to your mom to sort of help her cope with the fact that she can't be there every day doing the things that you're doing so maybe she's thinking I'm there I'm just going to do more and it makes your sister feel better and it makes your mom feel better to have that special attention then just let it happen it's for one week at a time now While your sister is there and she is safely taking care of your mom, just get away. Get away. Don't stay around and watch. I mean, your sister's in town, so this should be where you take an advantage the time for you to to get away and maybe you can't leave and go out of town when your sister's there because you still have to you know give sort of a support role there but maybe you can leave and go places every day and come back in the evening spend time with friends just do something and just don't be involved in the daily care and just accept it for what it is that your sister is different her way of showing love is different from the way you show love and, and, and your way of showing love is to provide that care that you do on the day-to-day basis but at the end at the same time ensuring that your mom is doing her part and there is nothing wrong with that because in your carrying that way it enables your mom this to stay strong to keep her endurance up to keep her having purpose and usefulness during the day and those are very important roles and your sister coming in town and your mom being totally different and opposite for one week should not change the needle much she's going to see really quickly that you're not your sister and that you all have a system and it works so take it easy lighten up I can sort of see your point in a little bit but you know you've got to just be able to accept the help that's given it's being given out of love and it is not harming your mom so I would just say enjoy your sister being there and resist the urge to mandate 
to her that she does things a certain way. But just know that she's doing things safely and that you'll go back to your regular routine when she's gone. So, hey, she's there for a week. Girl, get out the house. Go find something to do and enjoy your life. And I thank you for being concerned about your mom. And I thank you that you're there every day taking care of mom. And it's appreciated. And I say thank you again. Have a good day. So listeners today, this concludes episode 12. And I just want to emphasize here at the end of this session that caregiving is not only just providing that care to your loved ones that is needed, but it's also looking out for your well-being as well. And that is listening to your body. What is it that your body is telling you? I mean, those aches and pains, they, they're telling you something They're telling you that you're either doing the wrong thing, using the wrong technique, you're doing things too often, and you need to really look at how you are structuring your day. Everything that needs to be done doesn't need to be done by you. When someone can do their part in their care, then they need to assist. So use opportunities to get more participation out of your loved ones. If they can do things safely, let them do it. If it takes more time for them to do it than you would do it, well, they have time to do it. If it takes them five minutes more to brush their teeth, let them do it. You don't always have to be in a hurry to finish something quickly. And you say, oh, it's just easier for me to do it. But is it really easier that you do it? Because when your loved one is doing a task, you are engaging them. You're keeping their minds active. You're keeping their muscles activated. You're keeping joints moving. And in the end, that helps them to continue to do for themselves. So caregivers, I want to just just encourage you to not look at how much you can do in one day. Don't check off these notches that you're giving yourself badges of achievement because you're doing so many things to help them every day. Your your goal is to allow them to be as independent as they can be while at the same time you providing that help that is needed, but you're also looking at what are your limitations and knowing that you cannot do it all. So if they're making demands on you about they need to be put this place and then you've got to transfer them this place, you know, you've just got to put a limit to it and just set the boundaries. And sometimes you have to go through a little struggle to get there. Everybody won't be happy, but you've got to listen to your body and making sure you're not injuring yourself. And then that takes you out of the picture totally. And the other point I want to just bring up is just accept help. Even if the help is not the help like you would give it, but accept it for what it is. Because it's only temporary, especially if that person is not available often, or they're just coming, stopping by, and they want to lend a hand so you can get an hour or two break. Accept help that can be given. Appreciate the help. It may be something that you can learn from somebody different. They're saying, hey, I could do things a different way, a better way, and just being open to change if that is needed. So that concludes today's podcast. And I really hope you gleaned something from the calls that came in and from the responses that have been given and that you can move forward today doing something easier and safer and more efficiently. So look, 
Have a good day and I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Finding a Foothold podcast. I hope you found information helpful for your situation and you're beginning to envision yourself as a successful caregiver. Remember, you cannot do this alone. So if you have a question to ask or a word of encouragement for other caregivers, I encourage you to call in by visiting the findingafoothold.com website and using the call-in button. You can find this podcast on our website and on all the major podcast streaming sites. We also ask that you share our podcast with others who are navigating this challenging caregiving journey. Join us again next time, Finding a Foothold cares about how you give care.